from the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broaddus. All right, everybody. Happy Tuesday to all of you. As uh, we've got 90 minutes with you today. 90 minutes. That's it. In fact, we're going to have Bernie Olivas at 5. He'll be with us from 5 to 5.30. I know uh, we're going to get to the Chihuahuas at the bottom of our 5 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. Um, Final week of the regular season for the Chihuahuas, by the way. So we have 5.30 today, 5.30 tomorrow, 6 o'clock on Friday, and then starting uh, next week, we're back to our normal football hours. It's, uh, look, um, you know, we love the Chihuahuas. I'm sorry they're not in the playoffs this year. It's been a tough year for them. It really has been. Um, But on the flip side, uh, I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to, uh, you know, for more three-hour shows and, uh, you know, get everything kind of back to the way it usually is. Uh, Anthony Reifenberg will be with us uh, coming up at the bottom of our 5 o'clock hour right after the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch. As he'll be, he's in uh, Sugarland, and that's because Tim Haggerty is getting inducted into the Vermont State University Hall of Fame. So cool, good for Hags. I didn't even know Vermont State had a Hall of Fame, but they do, and Tim's getting in there, and and, and deservedly so. I can't. You know what we need to do? This I don't know if we're gonna have time. Maybe Friday. We need to get somebody from Vermont State on the show to talk about the impact Hags had during his days studying out there at VSU. Don't you think? Oh, man. You're on it, Steve. You're exactly right. Uh, we do need to reach out to maybe they have an alumni association, uh, Vermont State. We need to learn more about it. We need to also figure out who are some other alums who are uh, ah. in there as well. So, yeah, this is a big deal. This is the 10th class for uh, the Vermont State Hall of Fame. Man, exclusive group. It is. And, and by the way, let's not confuse this with the Vermont Sports Hall of Fame. Because there is the Vermont Sports Hall of Fame. But this is the Vermont State Hall of Fame. So um, this, is, this is wild. It really is, um, and I'm excited about that. In fact, yes, we need to dig deep. We really do, because truth is, there are so many Hall of Fames or Halls of Fame in the state of Vermont. I need to figure out exactly, here it is, like, this is, here it is. Oh, look at this. Vermont State University hosts first homecoming weekend, and... This is, I guess, it's their inaugural homecoming and family weekend celebration. How about that, Adrian? Uh, That's big time. And I am looking at the Hall of Fame class. They have different campuses. So this is the Linden Athletic Hall of Fame banquet, which is scheduled for Friday night at at, uh, 4 o'clock here in El Paso. And he is going in along with Chris Gobile, Patrick Hilton, Robert Dickerman, Timothy Haggerty, and also the 1977 and 1978 Vermont State University men's ski teams. How about that? I love it, man. Uh, This is excellent. And I just uh, Googled notable alumni uh, for Vermont State, and I found some great names, but then I realized it was all Vermont, the University of Vermont. Oh, I <laughs> So gotcha. I saw, like, Ben Affleck and, like, oh, all, really? yeah, all these. And I was like, wow, uh, Tim Haggerty joining some royalty. But uh, I got to do some digging on the Vermont State alumni base. Well, the interesting thing is that they have, like, four campuses. And I guess each campus is getting, like, its own list of hall of fame inductees wow i love it so maybe uh maybe there'll be like a hall named after tim haggerty or something maybe like that. so and it's and, and remember it's not tim haggerty it's timothy, timothy haggerty <laughs> yeah so from now on i think when we when we recognize his hall of fame worthiness we need to at least be correct 
and refer to him as Timothy Haggerty because he's not going into the Hall of Fame as Tim. He's going into the Hall of Fame as Timothy. So that right there is a big-time achievement. Wow, we have uh, Tim's radio vo- uh, name on here. So that's cool. We, we shorten it to Tim instead of Timothy. We, uh, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Um, and then he has to go, also gets, gets to go in with these 77 and 78 men's ski teams, and that's very cool. I wish I knew, um, because interestingly enough, Timothy is an honorary Hall of Fame member. Honorary. So that, to me, is even better than normal achievements. That means he's done so much professionally, they look back on him, and they want to give him an honorary um, you know, inductee into the hall. That's big time. Maybe he could start joining uh, like their journalism classes via Zoom and like help mm. out as an alum now, a distinguished alum, uh, a Hall of Famer out at Vermont State. This is the most Vermont State you're ever going to get here in El Paso, by the way. So uh, well, our listeners better enjoy this part. I think there's a lot of people wondering why Tim is not on the radio this week. That's right. Yeah. We got to give him some props. Yes. Yes. And now they know why. I mean, you know, this is this is a big time award for him, and uh, I'm excited for him. I, I really am. So, he deserved this. He earned this. And man, don't you want to hear more about what Timothy Haggerty was like during his college years? Like that. I mean, that's the that should be the last story time of 2023, in my opinion. We should find out all about what college life was like for him. From somebody that is affiliated with this, that can give us more information on the entire uh, Hall of Fame class. I bet it was like Animal House for Tim Haggerty, Timothy Haggerty, by the way. Which, what do you think? Was he like Bluto? What do you think? Uh, Maybe. Which character do you think he was during, uh, you know, during uh, Animal House? What's That's our What's our question. boy's name who uh, who stopped by here? Who we think he lo- the UTEP manager who looks like him who's on that that show as well? Oh, that's true. That is, you know, what? that's a good point. There are others um, who are not. It's not just him. That's that's exactly right. Um, Eric Eric Stratton. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe he's him. I don't think he's Flounder. I don't. Um, you know, you could look at, at some of the other characters. Was he Stork? Eh, I don't know. Maybe Chip. Maybe he's a little Chip. Maybe he's, maybe he's got a little Chip Diller in him. That's very possible. Truth is, he's, he's definitely not. Uh, I, 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 if, he is, if he's Bluto, then that means that uh, he was just a troublemaker. He was a goof. Right? Didn't take anything seriously. Maybe we should just cold call Hags while he's at his Hall of Fame and see if he answers and then oh, gives please. us this story time. He screens us when he's not doing anything in El Paso. You think he's going to pick up the phone when he's in Vermont for the Hall of Fame banquet? I don't think so. No, yeah, you're right. We got we to gotta schedule some time with him. Uh, but anyway, congratulations to the voice of the El Paso Chihuahuas for getting inducted into the first ever uh, homecoming weekend Hall of Fame for Vermont State University. I'm excited. And there are media inquiries, by the way, on the website, Adrian. So maybe we need to, uh, maybe we need to get somebody on and, and talk about hags and, and give us a little idea of what exactly is going on. Mm, I like that, Steve. Let's do it. Hang on. I'm going to send you a link. And then you can, uh, maybe we can work on this. for like uh, This could be for Friday's show. This would be good. Because, you know, he's going to be um, inducted during sports talk. So maybe we can have somebody to come on and, and uh, give us a little the lowdown. That would be great. Yeah, definitely. All right. So anyway, uh, coming up in about 10 minutes is Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs.com. We'll talk a little baseball and beer with Jay. Uh, no Jeff Erickson today because Bernie's going to come on at 5. We'll do Jeff at 420 tomorrow. I'm excited about that. Um, in fact, we've also got Lee Sterling tomorrow in our 5 o'clock hour. And then Friday's show in the 5 o'clock hour, Lane Frank will be joining us on the program. So we've got a, got a good lineup. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, excited about uh, the next uh, three days of Sports Talk. Again, 5.30 today, 5.30 tomorrow, 6 o'clock Friday for Chihuahuas Baseball. Uh, No football Friday night pregame show this Friday. They will instead go right after the Chihuahuas wrap up the Friday night game. So figure somewhere between probably 8.15 and 9 o'clock, you'll get um, our crew of 
uh, Paul McKinnon, Bo Bagley, and all of our reporters around the Sun City. So, yes, uh, it's it's going to be a great week, folks. A great, great week. By the way, uh, I saw the news today about um, Saquon Barkley. If Saquon Barkley would have been playing in this game, I would have been shocked. Like, you just, you don't suffer an ankle sprain and suddenly make yourself available four days later. I, I just, I, I wouldn't see that even humanly possible. Now, Adam Schefter said three weeks. Maybe Saquon is back next uh, Monday, because I think the Giants uh, play next Monday night. Maybe that's the possibility, and he, and he goes then. Or, uh, you know, that, 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 might, that might make more sense, don't you think? Yes, I just worry because when we uh, saw this happen to Saquon back in 2019, he missed three games with a similar ankle injury. He also missed four in 2021 with ankle problems. Uh, And then he kind of struggled when he came back. It wasn't like he exploded onto the scene as soon as he was healthy. So uh, we know that Saquon has dealt with injuries throughout his career. And we also know that he has to get paid, uh, whether it's by the Giants or another team after this season. So all this plays a big deal and a big role into his future. Um, Again, um, Matt Breed is going to be probably your starter, I would think. Behind him is Gary Brightwell and Eric Gray, the rookie from Oklahoma. So I like him. Do you? I mean, he was good in Oklahoma. You think he has, maybe has a chance to uh, get a little action in this game? Maybe. Uh, he actually showed uh, up in the preseason games, if I'm if I'm uh, remembering correctly. Probably are. And uh, he's somebody who's a little bit dynamic. He's smaller than uh, most running backs. Uh, I think he's like 5'9", if I'm not mistaken. But I remember him at Oklahoma. He was explosive out of the backfield. He could be a nice weapon for Daniel Jones. I'm with you on that one. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe the passing game, uh, you know, with that's another thing, okay? Because the ground game, I won't say it's going to be grounded, but they're going to change things up against San Francisco. They would have had a hard time beating San Francisco with Saquon Barkley. Now, don't you almost feel like Daniel Jones is going to have to throw for about 350 yards for them to stay competitive? Yes, and that defense is going to have to hold up, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, San Francisco looks like one of the best, if not the best, teams early on into the season, three weeks in. Uh, they've obviously, in the in years past, the only thing that has hindered them from getting back to the Super Bowl has been injuries. So if they can stay healthy this entire season, I mean, things are going to look good for San Francisco. I totally agree with you. So, again, things we can talk about uh, on the show today, and I'm looking forward to that uh, since the San Francisco-New York Giants game is tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, folks. That is right around the corner. Meanwhile, speaking of right around the corner, Jay Jaffe. He's going to come up next. We're going to talk baseball with Jay, and there's plenty of storylines as we wind up the regular season. Um, Shohei Otani's out for the regular season. That's a big storyline. Injuries galore. Um, And um, what's Jay's beer pick of the week? How does he want to describe that? We'll talk about it next, right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update for us on a Wednesday. Stephen D. El Paso, Metroplex. Let's go to the far east side where we have a crash in Montana. Here on Sports Talk, 19 past the hour. Time to talk a little baseball and beer with our weekly guest from Fangraphs.com, talking about the one and only Jay Jaffe, who held the Fangraphs chat uh, yesterday. And that's up on the website right now at Fangraphs.com, not to mention the Adam Wainwright story and... Uh, lots of other good uh, articles from Jay, including more like Team Entropy, right? Um, Jay, welcome back to the show. And, uh, man, uh, where do we start? Let's let's just start with the biggest story that everybody's talking about, at least for the time being, before the playoffs hit. Everybody's talking about Shohei, done for the rest of the year. Tommy John going to look to play as, as a DH, potentially, uh, this next season, and then look to pitch in 2025. And... Are you surprised by all of the national voices that are up in arms that some team could still pay Shohei half a billion dollars this offseason when he hits the free agent market? No. First, okay, first of all, I want to point out, it was not actually Tommy John surgery. It was internal brace surgery. Okay. Um, he had the, the way that it was worded and the way that uh, it was described uh, in the statements indicates that he did not have your standard Tommy John surgery. Um, the understanding that he is going to be back uh, around opening day uh, further further confirms that. So um, that's what's going to allow him to hit uh, starting first thing next season as opposed to uh, missing a good chunk of the year 
uh, unless he did a Bryce Harper-like comeback. True. And as for the as for being up in arms, I mean, look, this guy's going to break the bank. You're still paying for a guy who can who can uh, you know who is an elite hitter and an excellent pitcher as well. Um, you know, you know he's not he's you know he's going to have Tommy. I mean, you know you know he's going to miss next season. Um, the hope is that with a careful rehab, he's going to still be uh, a very good pitcher. So um, I would expect him to get uh, um, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 400 to $500 million over a very long-term deal. I agree with you, and I think that there are teams that will do it, whether some of the uh, voices that are upset about that like it or not. Uh, what you're getting is somebody that, when he's completely healthy, is, a, is the most, one of the most dominant uh, pitchers and hitters in the game at the same time. And, again, we're talking about someone that, that has never done that before up until now. So you're paying a premium, but you're getting somebody that you could trot out there every five, six days and dominate on the mound. At the same time, he can also hit 40-plus home runs and drive in 100 runs for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, he is a superstar. He's going to be the most valuable player here for the second year in, in the last three. He's had a season that most of us, uh, I don't think, can have seen anything close to in our lifetimes. Um, you know, what's, what's not to like? This is, uh, uh, this is uh, just a remarkable talent. If somebody doesn't want to pay that kind of money for him, you know what? <laughs> there are plenty of other teams who will. Do you feel bad for the Angels? I mean, they gambled and lost. They actually tried to put together some kind of a team to to make a run for the postseason, even though that imploded within seems like hours after they tried to do it. And now you got a huge dilemma because if you lose uh, Otani without any compensation, it almost seems like you have to unload Mike Trout and at least get something back so you could start the rebuild. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, look, the Angels are a clown show. I mean, we saw like things this week. Um, with you know the way they handled uh, Anthony Rendon's injury and the way that they let uh, Otani just ghost on the team, um, this is not a well-run organization. This is not a healthy organization. Um, I think we best look at the Angels as a vessel for uh, letting Shohei Otani uh, actualize the talents that he had. I mean, not every team would have been on board with uh, uh, Otani doing things the way he did and maxing, maximizing his uh, his workload to the extent that he did. Um, you know, after after some ups and downs uh, uh, in his you know introduction to the uh, to to the major leagues, um, yeah, I think they have to look at trading Mike Trout now. I think Trout has to has to look at the situation and think, why do I want to be here again? Um, you know, they're, they're, I, I don't know that you could say good things about their medical staff given uh, what we've seen from from them this year, um, and the the amount of times that, the amount of time that it's taken. Uh, Trout to come back from injuries that uh, you know I think you know have exceeded the standard timelines. Um, you know, thinking back to the calf strain from a couple of years ago, um, and then uh, his brief attempt to come back that lasted one game this year, and um, uh, from you know from his uh, from his hamate injury. Um, yeah, I I think you got to you know you got to trade him. I think he's got to want out. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know why you'd stick around there because that organization is a disaster. Trade him to the Dodgers, especially if the Dodgers don't get Shohei. Then plan B might be to put him in the outfield next year where you hope you could put Mookie Betts back and not keep him in the infield at second. And you still have, you know, a young guy like James Outman who's in center. And maybe you, maybe you piece Trout back in there and, and let him just go right to, from the Angels to the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, look, the Dodgers, I think, are going to be one of the top teams going for him. The question is whether um, he's going to take uh, East Coast teams seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Peter Gammons was was uh, uh, t- tweeting last week about uh, his connection to uh, uh, folks close to the Red Sox. I, I find it hard to believe that the Red Sox, as dysfunctional as they've been lately, uh, are a team that's going to impress him Um you know the Mets and the Yankees are both kind of messes right now. Obviously, they, they you know they've got money, but uh, uh, the state of their organizations is, uh, uh, I think, a, l- a little shaky. Although um, the Billy Epler uh, Shohei Otani connection from from Anaheim is 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 worth noting in the case of the Mets. Um, but I, you know, I think the West Coast is probably going to be where he ends up, and it's yep. uh, you know it's the Dodgers who obviously can you know can spend with anybody, uh, the Giants who had a lot of money. Uh, to spend, uh, tried to spend it on Aaron Judge, tried to spend it on Carlos Correa, uh, came up short both times, or, or found reasons to come up short both times. And uh, um, the Mariners, I think, uh, 
uh, can't be ruled out. Uh, you know, being on the West Coast means being close to Japan. The Mariners are, are trying to get their second playoff bid in as many years, and uh, uh, they've always had a strong uh, Japanese following. So um, they're interesting as well. I mean, the Phillies would be the team that I would look at the most because he grew up a Phillies fan, but you already have Trey Turner and you already have Bryce Harper, and I'm not sure the Phillies would, would break the bank for a third huge payroll in order to try to add to that current mix. Oh, I'm sorry. We're talking about trout here. Yeah, yeah the Phillies. Uh, you know, the the um, yeah, that's the, boy, that's a uh, it's, it's a lot of money, and and they've got a lot of you know a lot of big um, uh, you know contracts on on the books there, uh, particularly Harper. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that how that would work out, but uh, um, somebody you know they'll find a way. There are six teams right now in the National League, 500 or better, that are all clamoring for one of those three wildcard spots, Jay. Phillies, Diamondbacks, Cubs, Marlins, Reds, Giants. I've mentioned this with you before, and you've oh, and you've said the same thing, and that is you just you, it's hard to to get excited when you're dealing with these six teams, although at least in the case of the Diamondbacks, they've won 5 in a row, so maybe they're getting hot at the right time, but everybody else is pretty much mediocre playing 500 baseball or worse and and we're still talking about, you know, uh, three of them going to play in the postseason. Yeah, look, I, you know, I think it's interesting from the standpoint of that we've got teams that have not been in the playoffs in the last few years, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, the Marlins, the Reds, um, you know, that their their fan bases have got to be uh, uh, pretty happy with the fact that, the, that you know, here we are in, in – uh, uh, moving into late September, and, and the, these teams still have a fighting chance. I mean, the Reds lost 100 games last year, um, you know. So I, I think it's a big deal, and seeing that you know these teams are separated by two games, top to bottom, it, it could be fun. Um, unfortunately, there are not a lot of games between these teams. In fact, when I was doing my team entropy post, I noted that. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday offered the only two games between the NL wild card contenders, and that was the Diamondbacks and Giants. And the Giants are the ones uh, who are fading from the picture here. They really needed to win both of those games. Um, they lost the first one, so uh, not looking great for them. No, it's not. Um, also, in the American League, uh, you know, one of these three teams is not getting in. The Blue Jays, Rangers, or Mariners, and considering the Rangers had their start, um, you know, and still are are sixteen over five hundred this late in the year. If they don't get in, it'll be a colossal disappointment. I don't know if people really expected the Mariners to be where they are to begin with. The Blue Jays probably yes, but um, again, four of those, you know, three of those teams, only two get in. Jay. Yeah, I mean, the, just the Rangers have just totally pancaked here, and and they lost Max Scherzer for the for the rest of the season here now. Uh, due to a, a Terry's major strain, uh, it's been a disaster. Right? They looked like they had uh, a playoff berth in hand just a, just a few weeks ago, but uh, uh, injuries and sudden underperformances have—they've uh, hit the skids. While the Mariners have gotten hot, um, you know, and the Astros are are, are right now uh, uh, in control of the division here. So, um, you know, it's a it's a t- it's a tight race. Um, you know, I think any of these three teams could still take it. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be one unhappy team out of those four, no question. Didn't you once years ago, and I might be wrong on this, but I thought you had an article for Baseball Prospectus back in the old days, and you called it Disaster Peace Theater. Yes, I've used that term many times. <laughs> well, you might need to bring it back and talk about that AL West race because you're right, it has been uh, a disaster. And crazy enough that uh, we're still talking about, really, at least in the AL, looks like the wild card teams are all going to be teams well over 500. We're in the National League. The third spot right now would go to the Cubs, and they're only seven over 500. Yeah, it's you know, again, it's we're we're. we're the, tar- the target ends up being just so much lower, um, you know, the more teams you add to the playoffs here. I mean, we're, we're projecting, uh, let's see, the Cubs, you know, the, these teams like the Cubs and the Diamondbacks uh, to finish with about 85 wins. That's, boy, that's not exactly a, an exciting playoff team. Um, you know, it's, it's fun for their fans if they get there, but, uh, um, you know, it's not a juggernaut. No doubt. More with Jay as we continue here on the show. But first, let's go right back to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update.
Thank you very much. I'll say this uh, as we continue with uh, Jay Jaffe. You mentioned the Reds a little while ago and the fact that they're in the wild card hunt at this point. How about the fact that uh, Hunter Green today had 14 strikeouts? Youngest Red to do it since 1967. Wow. I mean, we know Green can miss bats. We know that uh, um, he's got a he's got that uh, triple-digit fastball. The question has been, you know, can he uh, evolve from a thrower to a pitcher? And He's shown signs of that here and there, but but uh, but not consistently. I mean, 14 strikeouts is is uh, uh, impressive. Unfortunately, today his bullpen let him down. Yep. Um, seven innings, one run, 14 strikeouts. Uh, but Alexis Diaz allowed three runs, and uh, uh, they ended up losing five three. That's a that's a tough blow for a team that uh, uh, is tr- is trying to uh, to get back to the playoffs. Uh, in the middle of all this. Corbin Carroll, let's talk about him. First rookie in history to achieve a 25-50 season. So 25 home runs for Carroll and 50 stolen bases. He stole those two bases today when the Diamondbacks beat the Giants 7-1. Yeah, good for him. I'm actually writing about, I wrote about Carroll having an outside shot at 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases last week. It doesn't seem like he's going to get there because uh, he hasn't gone on the home run binge, but uh, um, his stolen bases uh, prowess has been ex- uh, impressive. He's only been caught five times. He leads the majors in base running runs uh, based on uh, Fangraph's uh, statistics, including stolen bases and advancement on uh, uh, hits and outs. Um, I'm actually doing a piece for tomorrow on uh, rookie, the rookie contributions for, for each team. And the Diamondbacks are one of the top six. Uh, five of the top six are contending teams. And uh, uh, Carroll has just had a, a thoroughly impressive season. This is a guy we're going to be hearing about in MVP conversations here for years to come, I think. I agree with you. In fact, uh, you know, you think about the history of the Diamondbacks, Jay. and They had that veteran team that won the series over the Yankees in, in, in 01. But for the most part, to me, I mean, Paul Goldschmidt, probably the best homegrown Diamondbacks player. And now he's in St. Louis. And then you look at uh, Corbin Carroll, and, and he could be, as you said, the next great uh diamondback yeah I, you know they've already locked him up with a lot with a long-term deal which i think was you know was smart for both sides and uh um you know he's the uh he's the foundation of uh um you know of a contending team here and they've got some other good talents but uh, uh he's head and shoulders uh uh, the best player they've got. He might be even in the MVP consideration. I know you've got Acuna and you've got Olsen, um, but at the same time, you can't ignore twenty five fifty as a rookie. Do you see right now the NL MVP as a really uh, Ronald Acuna's to lose? I think it's a two-man race between Acuna and Betts, and Acuna's probably uh, got the upper hand. Uh, Mookie Betts has had a fantastic season uh, as well, uh, while seamlessly moving between uh, right field, shortstop, and second base. It's just been remarkable what he's been able to do with that. Yeah, it's true. And it's crazy that we're talking about a guy in Olsen who so far this season has 52 home runs, 131 runs batted in, and he's got an OPS of nearly 1.992. And as you said, he's not even really a conversation in the MVP, the top two anyway, because of what uh, Betts uh, has done uh, along with Acuna. Yeah, I mean, you can say the same about Fre- about Freddie Freeman. He's had uh, absolutely... Uh... Uh, spectacular season that would uh, uh, be uh, MVP worthy in most years, but uh, he's just not, uh, um, you know, arguably not even the most valuable player on his team. So it's tough to make that case. But uh, um, a lot of great seasons, a lot of great ball players. Uh, the fact that we're talking about two from each of those teams helps to explain why they're the two teams that are going to get the first round buys, uh, and they're vying for the best record of the National League and home field advantage uh, throughout throughout. Uh, uh, at least until the World Series. I'd almost feel like if we don't get Braves-Dodgers in the NL Championship Series, that fans lose. I mean, that's the series everybody wants. And it's no disrespect to Milwaukee in the Central or any of the wild card teams, but this season has been about Braves-Dodgers for a while now, and that's the matchup that I think every baseball fan would want to see as far as who's going to get into the series. Well, maybe not every fan, but yeah, I think it's probably the one that has the most national attraction to it. Um, you know, they've already these teams already faced off in in twenty twenty and twenty one in two very memorable NLCS uh, battles. Um, you know, we've got you've got the storylines of of uh, 
uh, of Freddie Freeman going from the championship Braves team to the Dodgers. Um, it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's a good uh, uh, it's a good rivalry, um, you know for for sure. And I think uh, people would like to see more. Let's wash it down with your beer pick of the week, Jay. Oh, my beer pick of the week. Jeez, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What have I? What have I got? Oh, you know, I, oh, here's one. Okay, I, I went back to uh, uh, went back to my local um, uh, grocery store and I got a beer that I'd had uh, a while back. Um, it's just, I, I think I've told you I, ha- I really do seem to enjoy the addition of yuzu, the Japanese citrus fruit, uh, into my beers. And this one is a yuzu super dry rice lager called yuzu nama biru, and it's from I believe it's a uh, uh, where is this where is this fruit? It's called uh, Hapa Cervaria, and I believe uh, it, this is Brazilian. Actually brewed in Brazil, or it's a Brazilian-owned brewery. Um, really nice, light uh, uh, summer beer that uh, uh, I picked up a four-pack before, and when I saw it again, I just pounced upon it here. Well, is, you're right. Yuzu Nama Biru from... B-I-I-R-U, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. I like it, and, and it seems like, again, I like this, Jay, 4.9 AVB, uh, plus uh, only uh, 18 uh, IBUs. This is, again, showing us your trend, that even though you occasionally will go for one of the knockout beers, you're, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've mellowed out in your age, Jay. I like that about you. It's good. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's also a great summer beer, great session beer. Uh, I, I'm going to have to pick up more. Fantastic. We'll talk to you next week. Again, appreciate the time, Jay. All right, thanks. Jay Jaffe, Fangraphs.com, as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right. Oh, by the way, Jay was so enamored with baseball. He forgot about the beer until the very end. I like that. Uh, baseball's trumping beer right now. That's in, in the Jaffe life right now. But Jay was quick to come up with Yuzu Nama Biru. That's a good, that's, that's a good save, isn't it? That's a good yes. save. Yeah, that was excellent. Nicely done. All right, we've got less than an hour left with you here. Uh, we're going to do a Bernie at 5 on our uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch. And uh, we'll talk more about what he's got going on as we continue. 600 ESPN El Paso. Is uh, getting traded to the Vikings? I did, Steve. I did. This is great for Rams, uh, the Rams fans out there, because uh, over the last couple of years with Cam Akers, since he graduated from Florida State, mm-hmm. he hasn't done anything with this cl- franchise. In fact, they tried to trade him last year. Uh, no luck. Then they played him the last three games, and he started being productive. So I thought to myself, wait a second. Is this the Cam Akers resurgence on the Rams? But no. Uh, first game was okay. Second game gets a DNP. Uh, and I'm really worried. I mean, like, there's some red flags there. Uh, I don't think he could be in the league. It, you know, he could see himself out of the league uh, if he's not careful. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's a former coach in Kevin O'Connell who is trusting that uh, Cam Akers can maybe have a mid-career resurgence on his own in Minnesota. Swapping draft picks. We don't know what the picks are yet. We just know that they're getting swapped. And the Rams probably had to give up some stuff to get rid of him. That's just uh, his market right now. There was zero p- uh, people out there wanting Cam Akers, so getting any sort of draft compensation is a plus for the Rams. But, I mean, it's a rookie deal, so he's not really getting paid a lot. You really think that the Rams had to give up yes. more than the, the Vikings to take him? Well, I mean, maybe it's like a sixth round that they get in return for a seventh round. Yeah. So it's probably yeah. a, a way, you know nothing that is really meaningful out well. there, but it's just for the Rams, it's a waste of their own draft pick and what they had to do. Minnesota's last in rushing uh, and rushing first downs. They're the only team without a rush of 10-plus yards so far in the first two games this season. Alexander Madison, the starting running back in Minnesota, 19 carries, 62 yards with no touchdowns so far. They thought they could supplement uh, Dalvin Cook's absence with Madison leading the way, uh, but what the reality is it's hard to be uh, a standout running back in this league. And I thought that Dalvin Cook just created opportunities for Madison last year. Uh, he's a you know he's one of the best running backs in the NFL as of last season. Um, and so when you lose a productive player like Dalvin Cook, you're going to suffer in the run game. You're right. You're absolutely right. So uh, again. 
if you're a uh, a Cam Akers owner in, in fantasy football, like I am in a dynasty league, this is great news. In fact, uh, I, I can't remember if I just signed. I think I signed Cam to a uh, long-term contract. So I'm banking on Minnesota being a good landing spot for him because he was a flop with the Rams. You know what? I actually own him in another league as well, Steve. I, I was uh, dumb enough to drop him last week. I was just so mad. And so, yeah, if he has a resurgence, I'll be the one kicking myself. Hey, uh, by the way, that 2020 draft class is so strange. I mean, mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, and Cam Akers, uh, along with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, were like the, the no-doubt guys that year. But Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, those are the two who end up being uh, the star, I guess, running backs out of that class or at least productive here now in 2023. Very true. Very, very true. Did you see Coach Prime's uh, post earlier today on social? Uh, was it? Was this one? Oh, no, no. You know what, Steve? It's Should a daily I... thing. Tell me what he did today because I saw the one yesterday about backing the player from Colorado State. 1.7 million views since it came up this morning. Here it is. I'm going to read it to you just the way it was written. What if you're afforded your opportunity or your chance? Are you prepared? Are you ready? Can you handle the pressure, the moment, the expectations, or the seriousness? Are you built for this? Can you handle the scrutiny of the position? Please evaluate you because your time is coming and you may only get one shot. Prepare for success now. Hashtag Coach Prime. Do you think he's even sending these tweets or these messages, or is this like a PR team of his? He's giving them ideas, he's dictating, and they're and they're putting this out there on social. Yeah, I what think, do you think? I think it might be one of his sons. I mean, look, he's got one of his sons as his cornerback, uh, one of his sons as his quarterback, and then his other son, who's uh, obviously a lot older and graduated from college a long time ago. He's like does a lot of his PR and marketing, so it could be that son right there. One of one of the sons on that top five list that he sent out there, as far as his kids go. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's necessarily him, but it may have been like a audio recording that yeah. Prime sent to one of his sons and was like, hey, send this out on social media. How many games do you think Colorado has to lose to have a real shot at coming to the Sun Bowl? Six. I think the same thing. Five or six. I don't even know if five will do it. I don't I mean, think so either. I, I, think that, I think that either the Alamo Bowl or the Holiday Bowl or the Vegas Bowl would grab a seven and five Colorado team just because of of their coach and their team. And not only that, I mean, listen, Shooter Sanders is a legit NFL prospect right now and a Heisman contender. So truth is, is that, I, I mean, Mel Kuyper thinks he could be a top, top five, top ten overall pick. I could believe it, man. I, I'm just so blown away by him. I don't care what competition he's going up against. Uh, Shadur Sanders is one of my favorite players to watch right now in college football. The one thing that we could say to this is that the Pac-12 is really good this They're year, loaded. Steve. Loaded. I, I mean, USC, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, Utah, Washington, yep. and Washington State are all ranked right now. Well, how about this, okay? Here are the road games. Oregon... ASU, UCLA, um, Washington State, and Utah. Those are all their conference road games. Now, Utah's 11th, Washington, Wazoo is 21, um, and Oregon's 10. If you lose all those three games, and let's say you lose at home to USC, and you possibly lose at home to Oregon State, that's five losses. They're 7-5. and five. I mean, they are the flavor of the month, and deservedly so. Everybody's rooting for them, unless you're a Colorado State fan. Or you just hate Deion Sanders. But, I mean, everybody else is rooting for him. But I don't know. I mean, they, they would need a total collapse to, uh, to really put themselves in a position to come to El Paso. But how fun would it be if Coach Prime took a 6-6 a six and six or 7-5 and five Colorado Buffalo team to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Yeah, I'm all in on that. I, I would also say, um, is there really a home field advantage when you're playing against Prime in Colorado? And what I'm saying it is they have nothing to lose. I mean, they, right. they, they're playing every game like this is their first game ever, you know, in this organization, in this program. And so I feel like it's a lot of pressure on Oregon, on USC, to show in front of their own fans that they can win that game over Prime in Colorado. So I actually think that the... Uh, the road test for Colorado, I mean, maybe it plays to their benefit right now, knowing that they've got the uh, the national college football fan base kind of behind them right now. No, you're right. 
You're absolutely right. Anyway, we'll do all that coming up in our final 30 minutes with Bernie. It's next right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, a little country comfort for you right now. Some classic Elton John beginning our final hour of the show. We only have uh, less than half an hour to go, and then we're going to send it out to uh, Anthony Reifenberg from Sugarland for the Chihuahuas uh, and uh, the Space Cowboys. Final road trip of the season coming up here, 5.30, 600 ESPN El Paso. Tony the Tiger Sun Ball Watch, though, is how we begin our second hour and our final 30 minutes of the show as we welcome back to the program Executive Director, Sunball Association, Mr. Bernie Olivas. Bernie, welcome back. How are you? Oh, it's good to be back, except for I saw my scores over this last weekend. Didn't do too hot. Now you took it in the shorts uh, this week for the Chick-fil-A Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Selectum Contest. And, hey, uh, you had a couple of gutsy picks that could have easily um, distanced yourself from the rest of us. But unfortunately for you, you, it didn't go your way. So you only went six out of ten. Oh, you're going to have to tell everybody that. I just went six. Six out of ten without even any points to pick to have to go through. Can you believe three people picked Sac State to beat Stanford? Because there were three perfect 10 yes, for 10. three perfect 10s. I couldn't believe that. I couldn't either. But that's just the way things yeah, work. it's the way it is. It is. And uh, we've got a, a special guest on the line that we're going to welcome into the program here in a little bit. But before we do that, um, I know there's also a trivia contest. We'll do the trivia at the end of the first segment. We'll do that to give people a chance to to call into the show at 505-6009 to win the pair of tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. But, uh, yeah, there were some surprises last week, weren't there? Yes, there were. But you know what? Our two conference tie-ins are still doing very, very well. The Pac-12 collectively has only lost six games all year long. They have eight teams that are undefeated still. And they have eight teams ranked in the top 25. Of course, everybody's playing a conference game this, this week. So they're, so they're on somebody's going to win, have to lose. And on the ACC side, they have seven teams that are still undefeated and, five, and six teams ranked in the top 25. All that does is translate into a, we're going to have a we're going to have a pretty good matchup come December 29th in, in that Sumbo Stadium. How do we get Dion here? Uh, serious question. Can we get Colorado at 7-5, and five, or do you think it will have to probably be a 6-6 six and six season to see right now the hottest story in all of sports uh, find their way to El Paso? Well, I think, I think right now, I think of his nine games left, I mm-hmm. think seven of them are against ranked teams. They are. So his schedule and their schedule is getting uh, is going to get really rough, beginning with Oregon and then followed by USC and so on. So you never know if they go on a, on a long losing streak, uh, they might uh, – you know they might drop into the into the into the Tony the Tiger Sumble slide. It would be great because it's all about um, record in the conference, that's, isn't it? Is that's that, that's that's how this game gets picked for us. For us on this on on the Pac-12 side, that's correct. Uh, it, it's it's conference standings, not overall standings. So, and so again, they're they're going into conference play now, and and we'll see what happens. If they beat Oregon, can you imagine what's going to happen then from the national yeah. spotlight? Absolutely. If they beat Oregon, well then you know forget it. They might. Yes. They might be headed to the playoffs. They might never. They, they might never up. lose. Exactly, That's right. Exactly. So, so we'll see how that works out. But again, so far we're extremely happy that both conferences are doing well. Uh, that'll give us a pretty good football team. Two pretty good yeah. football teams come here uh, December 29th. You ready to say hello to our celebrity guest? Absolutely. This week? Uh, well, let's introduce him because it wasn't that long ago where he was a uh, longtime sports director uh, at uh, KTSM News Channel Nine who converted. He he's one of the few. The proud, the successful, uh, those that have converted to the main anchor seat. Not an easy job, but Andy Morgan has lived to tell us about it, and he's with us uh, live on the phones right now. Andy, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to be uh, on with both of you and and talking uh, sports, kind of getting back to my roots a little bit here. Who's your the, the team you grew up with, the college team you live and die with? Ah, oh, man. So this is, this, it's actually a funny story. So obviously I think a lot of people know that I grew up in, in Colorado. Uh, I grew up a huge CU Buffs fan uh, and then realized what it took to go to Colorado in Boulder in terms of tuition, cost of living, all that stuff. So then uh, decided to go study journalism at Colorado State. So we ended up going to the uh, 
rival school, and so we all saw that uh, play out uh, last week on ESPN well into uh, the midnight hours here, mountain time. So uh, I was kind of torn a little bit, although uh, I feel like i got to go with my allegiance to my alma mater. So Colorado State it is. All right. Tough, though. I we mean, especially say much either. Not like I get to root for anyone that goes to the college football playoff on a on a consistent basis. Was this the biggest game between the two schools you can ever remember in your lifetime in terms of hype? 100 percent hype for sure going in. And I don't think anyone expected Colorado State to kind of put up the fight that they did. But, man, it made it probably one of the most memorable Rocky Mountain showdowns of, of all time and. Uh, I hope they don't get rid of it. There's a, there's obviously a lot of talks with the way that um, conference realignment's going right now and Power Five versus you know uh, some of those other Group of Five schools. I hope that this rivalry stays intact because, as you saw on, on Saturday, it's just fantastic. Totally, I would agree with that. You know, there's still going to be at least three uh, non-conference games that that those are the kind of rivalries that they, that cannot go away. Yeah. So I, I, I'm with you. I hope that that doesn't happen. And like I said, they'll have three slots to fill outside well. of conference play at least. So uh, hope uh, that Colorado-Colorado State game remains around for a long, long time. I agree. All right, gentlemen, we've got 20 minutes to get through 10 games. Let's go to week four right now and get it started with the ACC. North Carolina State Friday night will be playing Virginia. NC State's 2-1. and one. Uh, This is their first uh, conference game. Same with Virginia, who's 0-3. And, and yes, it's going to be at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia. North Carolina State, a 9.5 point favorite. We're not picking against the spread. We just do that for information purposes only. Andy, lead us off of that North Carolina to stay Virginia game. I don't think you have to think too hard about this one. Virginia hasn't looked good all year. I'm going NC State to get the win on the road. Bernie? No doubt. Uh, that's that's a no-brainer. It, it will be NC State. Adrian? Yeah, I got the Wolfpack. All right, we're all unanimous, which takes us to game number two, and this one's going to be a fun one. 10 o'clock here in El Paso on ABC, number four Florida State visiting Clemson. Uh, Florida State is 3-0. and They're 1-0 and in the ACC. Clemson is 2-1, and 0-1 in the ACC, and it's going to be at Memorial Stadium. Florida State, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, Bernie, entering the big showdown. You know... Things go in cycles, and I think Clemson's cycle is starting to turn, going towards the bottom. Florida State, on the other hand, has been down a little bit, and they're on the way up. I'm I'm going with Florida State. I'm going with Seminoles. All right. Um, Adrian? Yeah, it was a struggle for Florida State last week against Boston College, but I think they get right this week and get a, uh, a nice win on the road against Clemson. I'll go with Clemson and Cade Klubnick. I think that he's going to get the first big win of his college career, and Clemson's going to show people that they're not ready to fade away just yet. Andy, what about you? You know, one of the guys who brought me here to El Paso in the very beginning goes by the name of Bo Bagley, of course, a Florida State uh, alum himself. I can't go and pick against Bo, so I will go ahead and uh, pick Florida State, who had some trouble uh, last week, had a scare late in that game, but I think maybe that scare was exactly what they needed. I'm sure watching film on Sunday was probably not a lot of fun, but they did it with a win. I think they get right here against Clemson. I think they might have been looking ahead, to tell you the truth, but I think Florida State is a really good football team. I agree with you, but I also think that you can't just sleep on Clemson this early in the season. You can't. All right. Well, we'll see. It'll be fun. I like it. I like the fact that I've got one up on these three guys in this particular game. It's either going to be very good or bad, depending on the results. Next, Boston College and Louisville. It's going to be at Cardinals Stadium in Louisville, Kentucky, 130 on the ACC Network. BC, 1-2, and 0-1 oh in the league. Louisville, 3-0, and 1-0 oh, and oh in the league, and they are two touchdown favorites in this one, Adrian. Boston College threw the kitchen sink at Florida State last week, and I think there's nothing left in the kitchen sink, so I'm giving uh, this one to Louisville. All right, uh, Louisville it is. I will agree with you. I, I just think that uh, they're too strong, especially at home. Andy, what about you? I do, too. Don't overthink it. Going with Louisville on this one and proving to 4-0. All right, and uh, Bernie? Uh, hey, unanimous. Louisville by a lot. Here we go. Game number four, the one we were talking about just a moment ago. It's going to be one thirty on ABC from Eugene, Oregon. Uh, the 10th-ranked Ducks, perfect. 3-0 and so far, getting their first Pac-12 game of the season against the 3-0 and Colorado Buffaloes, ranked 19th in the country. Uh, despite the fact that Colorado is undefeated and everybody is talking about primetime, the Ducks are 21, 
21-point favorites in this one. I don't know if it's going to be a three-touchdown win, but I do like Oregon uh, to win at home, Andy. What about you? I'm the same way, and, and I, you know, I, I prefaced everything before I started growing up a, a Colorado fan, but I'm, I'm a Colorado State guy right now. I don't know, for, for whatever reason, Colorado could not stop the same – Colorado State ran the same play almost every single time in terms of passing. Those underneath crossing routes just absolutely killed to use defense. They couldn't make a stop to save their lives. I just think Oregon's too good in this one. I, I don't think it's going to be a three-touchdown. I think it'll be closer than that. But I got the Ducks in this one, especially at home. Bernie. I agree. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a three-touchdown game. But, uh, you know, Colorado started like gangbusters, and they've kind of struggled a little bit the last two games, I think. And now they're going to play a really, really good foot, Oregon football team. I'm going, I'm going with the Ducks. And Adrian. Well, I guess I have to pick Colorado, right? I got to go against you guys here. I was, th- I was leaning toward the Ducks, but you guys uh, made it easy for me. I got Colorado on the road. All right, which takes us to our next big one, 130 on Fox, number 22, UCLA. Perfect at 3-0, and visiting number 11, Utah, also 3-0. and It's in Salt Lake. The Utes are four and a half point favorites in this one, Andy. So another one of the uh, close friends that I got here in El Paso goes by the name of Ed Stansberry. Of course, played in the uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl once upon a time with the UCLA Bruins. Can't pick against UCLA. Uh, I'm going with the Bruins in this one. God, I love the fact. I love the fact you're picking with your heart. That is terrific. Uh, that's that's what I want to hear, Bernie. What about you? You know, I've been picking with my heart all week, all all year, and look where it's gotten me. It's gotten me in dead last among us, among us. I am going with Utah at home. I just like them at home. Uh, I think UCLA is a very good football team, but uh, but I'm, I'm going with the Utes. All right, Adrian. Talk about a loaded Pac-12 right now. We're talking about the Washington Huskies in the top ten, USC in the top ten. I think Utah gets in the top ten after this week and this win. That makes the three of us. So, all right, it's basically Andy against the rest of us. We're all picking Utah, but Mr. Morgan going with UCLA for the Ed Stansbury reason. I like that. All right, let's uh, let's keep moving on. Uh, Georgia Tech and Wake Forest will be next up in the ACC. As far as this game goes, Georgia Tech so far is one and two, zero and one in the league. Wake is three and zero. First uh, conference game for them. It's going to be uh, in Winston Salem and uh, Bernie. Wake Forest three and a half point favorites at home. And I'm taking and I'm taking the home team again. I, I like Coach Clausen out there. I think he does a fantastic job. Georgia Tech is, you know, they're getting better, but I don't think they're there yet. But on the road, I'm gonna, I, 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 they're going to struggle on the road, and I'm going to take in Wake. Adrian. No question, a question, Wake. All right. So what about uh, – I will also go Wake on this one. I think Wake wins at home. What about you, Andy? Not going on the limb on this one. I'm going Wake as well. All right. Six down, four to go. We'll get it going right after the break. But first, a little trivia for a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Bernie? Hey, I'm not sure whether this is a hard one or an easy one. I think half of it is hard, half of it is easy. But here it goes for two tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Here it goes. USC is currently ranked in the top ten in the nation and has a potential Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. When USA play, when the USC played here in 1998, it had an an eventual Heisman uh, Trophy winner at quarterback. Also, name the current USC quarterback who is gaining a ton of attention as a Heisman candidate, and the former USC quarterback who played in the 1998 Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl and won the Heisman in 2002. Fantastic. 505-6009. That's our telephone number. First person through with the correct answer wins the tickets. We'll come back with more as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Final countdown. Congratulations to Mike Saucedo winning this week's um, Sumble Trivia Contest. Good question, Bernie, Uh, especially if you are a uh, fan of USC because you know Caleb Williams. And then I was wondering if you're going to throw a little Jordan Palmer clue out there for us, but uh, good stuff. You know, I like of, that. A lot of people forget Jordan Palmer played yeah. here and he was a Heisman Trophy winner. Carson, absolutely. I mean, that's Carson, I'm sorry. That's right. That's right. Let's get right back to it. we got four games to go in about six minutes to do it, so we're making pretty good time. And as we continue with Andy Morgan from KTSM News Channel 9, our celebrity picker this week, uh, I think this one is going to be a very, very good game to talk about. Back to the Pac-12, and uh, let's get it going with Oregon State and Washington State. 
The uh, Beavers are 3-0. and So are the Cougars of Washington State. And uh, both teams are in the top 25. Oregon State's 14th. Washington State is 21. It's in Pullman at uh, Martin Stadium. And uh, as you might imagine, Oregon State, uh, a three-point road favorite as we begin things. And Adrian, back to you on this one. I like Cameron Ward, the quarterback for Washington State. I'm going with the Cougars in this one. Beavers haven't beat anybody uh, you know, with a lot of significance on their side. Give me Washington State at home. Me too. I love Wazoo, especially at home. They've done great things for me, so I'm with you, Adrian. What about you, Andy? I'm going Washington State as well, although I don't want either of these teams to lose considering what they're going through with uh, mm. conference realignment, but uh, give me the Cougars. That's a good point. What about uh, Bernie? Wrap us up. Hey, that's the real Pac-12 right now, Oregon State, Washington State. It is. It's, it's the last two. Yeah, and, I, and I'm, I'm going with the Cougars myself. I think uh, at home, wow. I like them at home. All right. Now, we'll go back to the ACC, and then we'll finish up with two in the Pac-12. The final ACC game we're going to talk about this week is North Carolina visiting Pitt. UNC is perfect, 3-0 and on the season. This is their first conference game. Pitt's 1-2, and also all non-conference games so far. It's going to be at uh, in Pittsburgh at Acrisure Stadium. North Carolina, 7.5-point um, favorites on the road. And, guys, I'll start it off this time around. I have North Carolina. Simply put, um, I know Pitt plays well at home, but I like Mac Brown. I like where this team is going. I think they stay undefeated. Andy, what about you? I also got the Tar Heels in this one. All right, Bernie. You know, Coach Arduzzi is one of my best buddies now in the coaching in the coaching uh, world. Uh, but how can you go against Mac Brown, boy? He's got them going. I am going with the Tar Heels and Adrian. West Virginia loss was bad for Pitt last week. Give me the Tar Heels on the road. All right, here we go with our final two games uh, in the Pac-12. Number five, USC visiting Arizona State. USC is three and zero. They're one and zero in the Pac-12. ASU is one and two. This will be their first conference game. It's at Mountain America Stadium in Tempe. USC thirty-four and a half point road favorites. Andy. You know, if the NFL season were to end today, two games in, the Denver Broncos would have the number one overall pick, and I would just be jumping for joy if Caleb Williams was the quarterback for uh, my uh, NFL team next year. Don't think that's going to happen, but I do think that USC runs all over uh, ASU on Saturday. Bernie. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a no-brainer right there. I think that's the lock. I think that's the lock of the week this, this week for us. It's going to be USC by a lot. All right, Adrian. Yeah, no question about it. I got USC. All right, we're all uh, perfect there. We all pick USC over ASU. Final game of the week will be number eight, Washington hosting Cal. Cal's two and one. It's their first game in the Pac-12. Washington is three and zero. This is their first conference game as well. It's at Husky Stadium in Seattle. Not quite as large of a spread, Bernie, but Washington twenty and a half point home favorites over Cal. Give me the Huskies. Yeah, give me the Huskies at home. You know, at home, they're not going to lose to Cal. Cal's struggling a little bit. Adrian. Yeah, no question about it. I think the Huskies are really good. All right. Um, I will stay with you and agree. Huskies at home over Cal. Uh, anything you see different here, Andy? Not a thing. UW all the way. Our tiebreaker. Total number of points scored during the Florida State-Clemson game. For those of you wondering about the total in that game, uh, the total points right now is, let's see, 55. 55. Andy, start us off. What do you think it's going to be? I think it's going to be a little higher scoring than that. I'm going to go 61. All right, 61. Bernie. I think it's going to be even higher than that, but not by much. I picked 64. All right, 64. Adrian. I had 65. I have 63. We're all in the same wow. zone. I absolutely love it. Terrific stuff. And we finished this uh, segment with about a minute to spare. Andy, you're going to be back on air tomorrow night. Am I correct? Tomorrow night at 10, yep, and then uh, 9 overtime. So I still get uh, my little bit of a sports fix there. I'm doing uh, 9 overtime with Colin Deaver, Sam Guzman, uh, Jason Flores, Ed Sansbury. So still doing that on uh, Friday nights at ten fifteen. So looking forward to this week's game of the week, which is at uh, El Paso High, Battle for the Claw, Austin and uh, El Paso at R.R. Jones Stadium. Terrific. Have a good time with that. Appreciate you joining us. And, and again, good job, and we'll see how you come out here next week. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Andy. <clears throat> 
Andy Morgan, folks, uh, from News Channel 9. 30 seconds left. Mike Saucedo, congratulations on getting our trivia. And, uh, Bernie, good luck this week. You need a big week. You need a comeback week, Bernie. Hey, this is it, man. You know, I, 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 hey, I taped my ankles before I, I taped my ankles before I started picking. I was, this, was, this, was, this was serious. Well, listen, I haven't had one of those yet, and I'm worried this could be my week. So we'll see what happens, guys. <laughs> it should be a lot of fun. Chihuahua's baseball right around the corner. Anthony standing by from Sugarland. He'll be up next, bottom of the hour. For Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4.